back. James Harden right on target. Bang, bang, George Niang to Paul Reed from Tyrese Maxey. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pick Swap Podcast. We are a little bit into the month of March here, and Sean and I are back as usual. Sean, how you doing, brother? Doing well, doing well. Sixers coming off a 4-1 road trip, probably uh, one of the more impressive uh, stretches of the season. Uh, they're getting through it. We're getting through it. Playoffs are sneaking up, so vibes are high. Life is good. Yeah, man. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Just kind of going to go over the road trip a little bit. You know, I don't want to talk too much about the MVP stuff. Maybe we can dip into that a little bit because I feel like ties are changing. So uh, we can definitely touch on that maybe later in the episode just to kind of recap things. Um, but we kind of want to start it off here, just talk a little bit about general NBA stuff, you know, um, John Morant and the things that have kind of transpired with the Memphis Grizzlies. A lot of uh, a lot of heat coming their way, um, John Morant specifically, but Draymond Green didn't hold back on Dylan Brooks yesterday either they do play tonight so keep an eye out for that um but or i guess when you know whenever this airs but got a lot going on in memphis right now uh steven adams isn't going to be reevaluated for another four weeks it seems like they're kind of in a pretty pretty tough spot right now but specifically with jaw obviously the incident with him um and the firearm that he had and there's ongoing investigations and things of that nature so i know you wanted to touch on that so just kind of give me your thoughts on on everything going on there yeah, it's uh, I mean, first off, like you never want to see this kind of stuff. You always want it to be about basketball. None of the other nonsense or things get involved. But this is a, a self-inflicted kind of situation from Ja. Like I, 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 the numerous reports that are kind of floating around beyond this, you just kind of blow your entire like benefit of the doubt by doing stuff like waving around on Instagram Live and that kind of thing, uh, which is just like. I did a little video on this that I dropped earlier this week and I put it like the best case scenario is he's just really stupid. And the worst case scenario is like he's actively ruining his career and there's a lot more bad sides to this. And Jaws obviously like a, a tantalizing talent and, and has everything in the world. But I think there's a point and uh, I'll shift on the, uh, when you bounce back to me, I have a, a kind of full thought on this too, but I kind of like, like, it feels like there's just not enough of an adult in the Grizzlies locker room. And, and they've taken a step back this year from last year. They've been kind of this youthful team that has uh, exceeded expectations. And now it's kind of like catching up with them in a way. Yeah. Yeah. This year has been interesting for them. I mean, I feel like they've dealt with just a lot of different ongoing things. Obviously, Steven Adams has missed extended time this year. And I think that he was like, yeah, he is very underrated top to bottom. I think in the league, I, Steven Adams is just an underrated player to begin with. But I think to their success, he was very underrated, and it's it's shown a lot this year. Obviously, Jaron Jackson has had a really good season for them, um, and they've had some guys like Desmond Bain is super fun, and Ja when he's playing is is fantastic, and Dylan Brooks brings whatever Dylan Brooks brings. Um, I'm siding with Draymond on that. I just want to put that out there. I, I'm siding with Draymond. Um, yeah. I I like what he had to say. I thought it was fun, but regardless, not really the point right now. Um, to to go into Ja, I mean, I don't know, man. It's so difficult to to put yourself in his shoes but it seems like he had the world at his fingertips right and um that pressure can get to people i don't know what type of outlet this appears to be it's clearly not the right one for him and um you know they've kind of kept things internal with the way that they're handling it which i think is the right thing to do um from an organizational standpoint and for his you know personal and, and mental health i think it's probably good for them to to kind of keep it under wraps and make sure that this doesn't get, you know start to 
unwind into something that they can't control. But this is a serious issue. It's a very serious thing. You got to take a lot of things into account in a lot of different instances and where you are and what you're doing. And clearly they were on the road at the time. So, um, you know, there's a lot going into that as well. So I don't know, man, it sucks to see this by all accounts. Otherwise, like John Moran has seemed like a very good guy. Um, You've seen him do a lot of good things for his first couple of years in the league. So I hope that this is something that he can overcome and that they can kind of get under wraps and he can start moving on with his career because he has so, so much ahead of him. So I hope that he's able to get back on the court um, and be, you know, the best version of himself going forward. Yeah. And this is kind of, I've been like sitting on this take for a while and I don't want to say like these cemented it for me, but I think the Grizzlies should look to move on from John Morant. I don't think John Morant wow. is the grade A superstar. It's, it's less about, to be honest, the, the off court stuff for me and more about there's something that's wrong to me on why the team is better when he's not there, which is so bizarre for a superstar. Like looking at like their record last year and I get like, maybe this is an anomaly. Maybe this I'm reading into it too much, but they went um 21 and six without Ja on the court. They outscored opponents uh by four point or Grizzly outscored opponents by 4.1 points per 100 possessions uh, with uh, without Morant, and were outscored by opponents 6.4 per 100 with Morant. And then, um, the like they're just when your star player should be your star player. Like it should not be that way. And when you look around the the NBA with teams like like the Sixers, when Joel's not on the floor, like yeah. things kind of go down. When the Nuggets, when Nikola Jokic drops off the floor, like. They're just not the same team, and, and it's not that way with the Grizzlies and Ja. And I get they're deep. I get Tyus Jones is very good, but then when you compound this with the the other stuff going on, it's like I think the best case outlook for Ja is he's kind of closer to like the Trey Young kind of tier of players than he is like the elite elite. And to me, it's like maybe before this becomes an issue, you kind of look to shift things around. And I'm also kind of the counterpart on this. As I say, I'm, I'm definitely lower on job than the consensus. And I'm definitely higher on Jaron Jackson, the consensus. I think there's a chance that he's like a franchise building block type player. If you can get a player that's like a, a counterpart to him, which I get Jock can kind of be, but he's a 32% three-point shooter. And, and like teams are always going to force him to beat him with his three because of how explosive he gets the rim, how quickly he can get blow by guys. It's, it's I just kind of have some questions about the the on court fit, why he's not more impactful when I when I dig into the numbers, and then when you add these off court kind of layers to it, I'm wondering if the best move for the organization where it would be to kind of look for an outlet to uh, maybe make a swap on John Morant. That's an interesting. I when you told me earlier that you had some things to say, that's not really what I was expecting, but um, I don't know, man. I you make some good points from a business side. I mean. I, after this, obviously, it's a little bit tougher, but John Morant puts butts in seats, man. He uh, he absolutely does things in this league that not a lot of other guys are able to do, and he's still super young, like egregiously young for uh, the talent that he's been putting on the court. So I don't know, man. That's that, I would be astonished if they did that. I would be really, really surprised if they went that direction. I guess it, it depends on how seriously they take all of this stuff, which again like i said they they absolutely should take this seriously and it looks like you know taylor jenkins and that crew is is doing their due diligence with everything and making sure that they're handling this the right way which is the right move so i don't know i'm I'm curious to see how it goes um i think that he's obviously i think he's gonna i mean obviously gonna get a second chance with them 
Um, and maybe that's something down the line that you consider, but I definitely see where you're coming from. Like he's not a floor spacer. I, I well, absolutely. I'm not putting this tag on him by any means, but like there's a limit on those guys career that don't shoot that well. And that are predicated on their athleticism and getting to the rim. Like you look at John wall, you look at Derek Rose, you look at these guys that Russell Westbrook, um, not to say that all, all the two of those three are MVPs. All of them are multi-time all-stars like franchise caliber players and guys that brought their teams to, you know, deep playoff runs at times. So like not saying that that's a bad ceiling at all. All of those are fantastic ceilings, but you see the way that they age. Um, and it's mm-hmm. not always gracefully, which is unfortunate, but um, if you're looking for a long-term piece and you don't think that necessarily mentally he's there um, and he's, you know, caught up in some other stuff then maybe you do move on, but I, you know, a guy like that, you just don't, I don't see them giving up on him too early. I also like Jaron Jackson Jr. I think is very good. Um, and I, I know you like him a lot. I just like, I don't know if I don't watch enough of him or I'm just like, I'm not tantalized by his ability all the time. Um, it's a little bit like off kilter. You know what I mean? Like it's not always like as graceful and smooth as I want it to be. So maybe it's like not as aesthetically pleasing to me as I'd want it to be. Yeah, I mean, he's a going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year, and he's a 20-point-per-game scorer. Like, that's a, a very good combo right there. Yeah. He's got some self-creation. He can space the floor, shoot the three. Uh, I, I love Jaron Jackson Jr. And and the the only real, like, negative to him is is the fouling issues, which he definitely has to improve on. But that, to me, is such, like, a growing pains. Like, guys get yeah. better at it. Like, Joel Embiid had foul issues when he first came in the NBA and he just figured it out because you figure out when you when you become more important to a team and have to play more then you realize like don't put yourself in positions to pick those things up. And uh, yeah. this was the, the one bullet point that I was looking for that uh, I couldn't find for the John Morant stuff. But uh, Memphis outscored opponents uh, by 376 points in the 27 games without Morant, which is a plus 13.9 rating in those games. And then in the games that Morant did play, uh, they outscored opponents by 133 points, which is a plus 1.7 uh, point per game different differential. That's a 12 point swing without your best player. And, and like, I, again, I get it. Like he's amazing to watch and does some ridiculous things with the basketball. But when you just add kind of all this other nonsense off the court into the mix, to me, a lot of signs point to maybe this is a, a good time to sell or an indication of that. I don't actually expect that to be the case. And I, I expect them to get back Morant for this playoff stretch and need him and rely on him in the same way they do. But I don't know. There's something to it to me. Something doesn't quite add up and, and kind of has me uh, thinking. Yeah. Well, we'll continue to think as we go here, uh, John Morant and that, that whole situation will play itself out and we'll obviously be front row seats, taking, keeping an eye on everything um, as they come to their decision in terms of, suspensions and when he'll be back with the team and uh the way the rest of their season goes will obviously be um you know reliant on on him and and how that ends up so uh we'll keep everyone updated we'll be here and as long as you guys are along with you guys so we'll move into the sixers here four and one on their most recent road trip and a tough one at that uh some huge wins against you know the bucks and then uh without uh joel Embiid the other night um against the or i'm sorry Harden didn't play uh, against the Timberwolves. So, yeah, really Embiid good performances. Missed the, Embiid missed the Heat game. Harden missed the Timberwolves game. So, in in games where they were missing stars, they uh, were able to come away with wins, which is always fun. And, you know, they do it emphatically with, the, you know, they capitalized on the Bucks win on Saturday night. So, I don't know where you want to start specifically, but just kind of recap that road trip for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would call this probably the statement stretch of the season. Uh, a pair of back-to-backs with a, a game in between, uh, going four and one against five tough opponents. Even Indiana, even though they're not like a playoff team, that's still a, a solid squad. And that one there, that game, there was a, a defense is <laughs> optional kind of matchup, but they found a way to win. And to me, like the optimistic look for that game specifically is like in past years, I think that's kind of a schedule loss, and they still found a way to win it, which is a huge. Uh, the Mavericks game, which was their their one loss in here, like it took a historic shooting night from the yeah. Mavericks. Uh, looking at their numbers, uh, they shot 25 of 48 on three point attempts, which is 52.1 percent on the game. Doing that, that efficiency of that volume is just ridiculous. And you got to kind of tip the hat. And there, there was stuff to nitpick the defensive breakdowns, Kyrie and Luca each scoring 40 for sure. Uh, but overall, going four and one during that stretch, uh, that is huge to me. And I do want to dig into the Bucks game uh, specifically, too. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we'll probably spend a lot of time on on that game and maybe even a little bit touch on the Timberwolves game as well, just because it was enjoyable to watch Jabal go to work, you know, as it is every night. But there's some nights that are just different. And that was one of the ones that was just different. But um, yeah, to kind of recap as a whole, fantastic. I think even in that Mavericks game, they played really well. You know, what are you going to do sometimes? Right. Like those are two of the most prolific scorers in the league right now. Two of the guys that can create their own shot at any time and require a significant amount of defensive attention on their own, let alone when both of them are mixing it up and, and taking guys, regardless of where they are on the court, there's really nothing you can do. Kyrie just felt like he didn't miss. There's one of those nights for him. One of those nights for Luca. They both had 40 plus. Like, what are you going to do, man? I, I came out of that game not feeling that bad. I was like, they were cooking, man. What are you going to, there's some nights. Uh, we watch it all the time with Joel. And then, you know, you you do get that on the other side with uh, the Bucks game. They were down by what, seven. 18 at one point against the Bucks. This is something they've done a lot this year. Go down by a, you know a good a good margin and and come back. And there's times where if they're down by 10 in the third quarter, I'm almost feeling better about the end of the game than I am if they're up by 10 10 points in the third quarter. So that Bucks game was fantastic. Joel Embiid was on full display on both ends of the floor. He ends up locking up Giannis uh, on a couple of different possessions late in the stretch, and James Harden. Dude, he's been so much fun to watch recently. I've been really enjoying him um, and Tyrese Maxey back in the starting lineup, you know, averaging like 26 plus since he's returned to the starting lineup. He's been fantastic. So this has been a fun stretch of basketball. They look like they're firing it all on all cylinders. And I'm really enjoying Jalen McDaniels as well. So I know we can talk about him a bit as you know, too. But if you want to go specifically into that Bucks game, we can kind of hop in there. Yeah, I mean, they outscored the Bucks. Uh where we got here 48 31 in the fourth quarter yeah 48 points in the fourth quarter that's their most points in a a quarter all year and to to do it in that fashion they started the period on a 15-0 run to just jolt themselves back into that game and then even down the stretch there like they were down four with a minute and a half left and it's like there's just this air of confidence around the Sixers team that there just hasn't been in, in years past like Harden hitting that first three that was just yeah like from from several feet off the the three-point line just casually pulling up after what looked like a mess of a possession like him running back to half court to retrieve it and then just pulling up no doubt about it Harden shooting over 40 percent from three on the season now for the first time in his career uh which is just nutty stuff and he has been just terrific to watch that that game specifically he took over had his fingerprints all over uh he ended with 38 points 10 assists and nine rebounds weird joel stat line with 31 points 10 assists and six rebounds the rebounding's been bad lately but i, I don't want to nitpick too hard right now uh but yeah heart and then Embiid hitting the the dagger three to give him the lead and and 
the little pump fake guy goes flying by and just confident as ever. So it, it's kind of crazy. Like that was one where it just looked like Joel and James like locked in, tied together, and they're like, we're good enough to figure out a way to win this, and they did. So it's cool to just kind of see that mentality shift when this within this team. And uh, James Harden, like I can't say enough about how good he's been finding that balance. Like he's all the way back, and I'm all the way back in on him. Yeah, I you know the discussions we had coming into this season and the idea of what he could be and you know how important he would be to this this team and you know there was a little bit of a stretch there post all-star like immediate immediately following the the all-star break i feel like people were kind of like what is going on um you know there was a, a little bit of a lull um but you look at the way that he's been able to play not i mean, i didn't say that for james but i think for the team specifically but you look at it now and dude averaging over what does he average points wise right now he's over 22 right yeah, 22.1, I'm pretty sure it is. So right around that 22, 23 mark, he's been fantastic recently scoring. I think he's been really aggressive recently, and that's opening everything up for them when he's able to attack. And obviously shooting a career high from three is insane, considering how uh, incredible he's been as a scorer throughout his career at different times. So that, leading the league in assists, just orchestrating everything. And I, I think Joel has done a really good job and a commendable job of essentially handing the keys back to him and saying like, Hey man, this is going to run through you. I'm not, and beat obviously benefits significantly from Harden's creation and, and everyone else kind of jumping in and, and chipping away. But I, I feel like they really have said like, this is in James's hands. It's, it's his job to orchestrate everything and everyone's going to eat. And then obviously on top of that, you have the best score in the NBA playing your center position. So it doesn't get much better than that. It's been like, we're back to the point in the year where I feel like I'm so excited to turn the Sixers on because they've just been playing so well. And then you come off the bench and uh, I saw somebody tweet. I'm sure you saw it as well. The the black air force one lineup yes. with uh, Daniel house who, who has recently found form. Like what is going on? Yeah. Um, Daniel house back in the rotation, uh, Jalen McDaniels and Paul Reed. And, and, and it's true. Like, if James Harden is running point with that and those guys are just flying around on defense, it's a lot of fun. And they've, they've turned themselves from that old ass, slow, no energy bullshit defensive team to like a young spry athletic up and down team. And it's way more fun and it's way more effective. So they've turned a really good corner over the last like two weeks. Yeah. The uh, James Harden plus athletes is a, an awesome combo. <laughs> yeah. Like the way he just kind of, floats it around, throws it ahead of guys, gets them running. Uh, it, it, the running gun kind of style is cool. And I like that kind of change up of a unit because there is a, a slow pace to the Sixers naturally around building around Joel, a center, and then the the mid mid post, the post touches, mid range, everything that, that goes into play with going through Joel. That's when he's off the court to just kind of have a new, like, let's run and gun, let's get the fast break on. I love it. And um, also saw the Tyrese Maxi resurgence over this break, which is, been great to see him getting plugged back in the starting lineup uh just looks every bit the the confident like future star player that we've seen through his career so far so it's good to see him getting them back i i now it's another one of those every time he shoots it i think it's going in it feels yeah. like it he's got no hesitation from deep he's blowing past guys he was destroying rudy gobert in that timberwolves game <laughs> he was taking him out to the perimeter and just He's so like sneaky and quick with the little layup. Even though he's small, he he gets it off like every time. He very rarely gets blocked on that. And he was just dusting Rudy Gobert from the perimeter. So I'm very happy to see Tyrese Maxey finding his stride again. And I think we can put the the Tyrese Maxey six man conversation to bed. Absolutely, I'm so happy we. Uh, I 
I'm here to say it, man. I was entirely wrong. I thought that they would work a lot better. I thought that it would go a little bit differently, and it didn't. In theory, like it still makes sense, but like we can see what in actuality. Well, when you throw him out there, like the whole thing was like he needs to play with alongside Harden like more. Like yeah. he can he can spearhead those offenses for a couple minutes, but like Doc was just like, yeah, whatever, man. You're gonna go out there with a bunch of guys that can't create for themselves, and you have to do everything on your own. And then they were just like, it's not going to happen. So I love it. I love that he's back and playing in the, in the starting lineup. He's been fantastic um, down this stretch. And I feel like he's hitting form right at the the perfect time going into this, you know, latter stretch of the year and going into the playoffs. So they have a three-headed monster right now. PJ Tucker, you know, they, they've played 19 games where he scored zero points and they're 15 and four in those games. I feel like he's actually been shooting really well from three recently. Like the corner three is back. Um, we don't even really have to talk about Tobias. He's just kind of around right now, which is okay. Um, he's been good, but not great. He's just kind of is, he's doing his Tobias stuff right now. But I feel like as a whole, this team is really, um, you know, hitting their stride. So we're looking ahead. They played tomorrow night against Portland at home, the Matisse Thibel revenge game. Um, <laughs> what do you, what are you looking for, uh, tomorrow night just to kind of like keep them going? What's, what's the key? Yeah. Figure out something defensively with, uh, the perimeter. That's been, that's kind of the, the biggest point of concern that I have with this team. There's, they overhelp way too much. It looks like they're scrambling on defense all the time and they just really can't lock up top perimeter options. And it's hard. Like that, that this is why it's the yeah. NBA. This is why these guys are superstars, but they're going to have to have somebody guard Dame Lillard. And whether that means, uh, more D'Anthony Melton minutes. I'm, I'm sure it will, to be honest. And uh, it's still not always enough. Like there, there's got to be some sort of uh, schematic shift in the way that they are matching the perimeter. The overhelping is driving me crazy. Like we're getting too much guys caught in no man's land. But I mean, not, again, vibes are high. I'm not getting too overly caught up. But there's got to be a focus on Dame. Make sure that's not letting loose. The Trailblazers also have a decent amount of like lengthy athletic wings, which is another recipe for uh disaster for the Sixers team. So not a team that I think they particularly match up with well, but this is the streak of they are still the better team, even considering that, and they, they got to figure out, find a way to win. So that, that's kind of what I'm looking for, for them to just keep finding ways to figure it out, which has kind of been my, my takeaway lately. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, there's nobody in the world that can guard Joel Embiid, but I, I sure as hell think it's not Yusuf Nurkic. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm looking for another big game from Joel and, um, defensively for them, I think that they'll struggle with that matchup or uh, the pick and roll and everything that comes with, you know, Harden and Embiid. So that'll be fun. I I know I just kind of skipped over the the Minnesota game. Yeah, so I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that. Embiid, 39 points in 28 minutes mm -hmm. of play. It sounds crazy when you say it, but it's true. He dominated, um, didn't have to play the fourth quarter at all. Uh, I saw like the, the broadcast was very surprised that he came off in the third quarter and went like directly to the locker room and nobody really knows what it was. He's not injured. Um, but my guess is they was probably like, yeah, you're done. Like it's over. So chill out, take your shoes off, uh, relax on the bench. So, uh, and the second unit came in in the fourth quarter, shut things down. Like how fun was that? Uh, you know, one of those games that normally you're like, shit, MB is going to have to come in with six minutes left and close this game out. And luckily, Furkan Korkmaz comes in and seals a deal. So uh, run me through <laughs> that Minnesota game. Yeah, like clockwork, Furkan Korkmaz just coming in, closing things Fourth out. Fourth quarter, man. 
<laughs> yeah. But um, I, it is very cool to see Joel. Like, that was one of the – just clearest, he's the best player on the floor by a, uh, such a wide margin. Obviously, no James Harden that night, so it was kind of the Joel Embiid show and, and him doing his thing. I mean, he blocked, like, one shot, like, directly into the ground. Defensively, yeah. he was awesome. And it's it's crazy to me. Like, remember when Rudy Gobert was considered, like, up there in the center conversation? Like, it was – for a while, there was a top three. It was, like, like Jokic, Embiid, and Rudy Gobert. And that's – that that's crazy looking at it now like him and joel weren't even playing like the same sport out there like it's it's ridiculous and i I, it's partially speaks to i mean it's working both ways uh joel obviously still improving getting better this is the peak of as good as he's ever been and and gobert has just been a disaster this year uh huge step back doesn't fit what they do whatever probably the worst trade of all time it will go down as there's no no coming back from that I, i can't believe they gave him five first round picks for a guy who can be taken off the dribble by just about anyone in them. Yeah, it's and it's Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Walker Kessler is better than Rudy Gobert right yeah, now, and they, like, that was one piece of the trade, not even like the whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it, it is crazy. But um, I, I think that was cool to just see Joel being like, "There's nothing you can do to stop me." Like even they were throwing two at him with Kyle Anderson and uh with Gobert, still just shooting over both of them, and some of his spin moves and finishes were just. It was beautiful to watch. So that was one of those just like clinical Joel Embiid games. There's one that always sticks in my mind from last year where he had 50 and 27 minutes against the Magic. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's just there's those nights where he's so locked in, so on, and there's nothing anybody can do and definitely not Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And there was points in time later in that game where Embiid was just, he was just trying shit. Like he was half yeah. spinning and pump faking and stepping through and trying fadeaways that like, Obviously, his bag is very deep, but I haven't seen him pull those in, in maybe ever, but it, it definitely in a long time. So, you know, he dominated all facets. It, you know, it's so nice to to watch him go to work. It, it's a it's a privilege for us to see him do that on a nightly basis. And I feel like there's days and times and stretches where we might take that for granted a little bit. And then there's nights like that where it's like, yeah, this is the guy. Um, this is our franchise player. And, you know, they got one over there, but they're screwing it up uh, day by day. Anthony Edwards had a had a really nice game. He put uh, McDaniel's on a poster. That was uh, a <laughs> yeah. McDaniel's laughed it off. I respect that. Yeah, yeah. no, you got to laugh that one off because he. I mean, he didn't even get a chance to really contest it. Like Ant was already at the rim by the time he was jumping. So, um, but Ant after the game called him MVP of the league. Those guys look to be uh, chopping it up and and talking afterwards. So that was a cool moment. Exchange jerseys, which you don't see Joel do a lot, mm-hmm. so a lot of respect there for Ant. I'm a big Anthony Edwards fan, so I, I was happy to see that. Maybe, uh, maybe he'll get his way out of the Minnesota in a couple years. So, um, yeah. or he's a free agent after this year. I don't think so. I, I, I feel like they're not letting him go. I, I do know uh, Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Maxey go back too. There's a video yeah. from like when they were like 17 that always uh, pops into my head from those two chatting up. So you know, hey. Philadelphia never know. welcome Anthony Edwards for sure. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. he would be. I love him. I'm a, I'm a huge Anthony Edwards fan. I, I've been, obviously, I mean, who's not? He was number one overall pick in the draft a couple years ago. So, um, obviously, with him, it's, it's you got to worry about him. But, dude, they're a mess. That team has put themselves in, in the worst situation possible. Um, they also haven't been very healthy either. And then you had guys like that just hated each other, like D'Angelo Russell just, like, hated Rudy Gobert and was, like, actively talking shit on him while they were, sitting right next to each other and all the stuff that's going on. So um can just kind of forget about them. They're 
like painfully irrelevant again yeah. at this point, which sucks for them. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if you want to go into the MVP stuff at all to kind of round this out. I feel like there's a conversation to be had because it's yeah. a little bit more nuanced this time around. And I, I'm enjoying the discourse uh, online over the last couple of days. I don't know about you. See, I, I was all in on it these past last year specifically. This year, it's like it's brutal, man. It is like people are at each other's throats, and we still have like a quarter of the season left. Like this yeah. shouldn't even really be decided yet. But um, I mean, I think we've been pretty clear in our opinion. I if you my honest take on it and how I feel right now is I don't have that much of an issue with Nikola Jokic winning MVP this year. But I do because it's three in a row. The NBA messed up by giving it to him last year when he didn't deserve it, and when Joel clearly deserved it. I, as much as I'm somewhat of an anti-Jokic guy, like the guy's the real deal. The guy can play, and he's been terrific to that team. Like I watched the the game against the Trailblazers the other night, where he literally like walks up and and fouls a guy and the, fouls the opposing center in the the pick and roll just by like grabbing him. The guy goes up, bricks both free throws. He's like a 50% free throw shooter. And like, that's how they won the game. And I'm just like, like, I hate that you just like, like he is super intelligent, super smart and very good. And uh, it's frustrating me for me to admit all this. I, I think that he's running away with it and that he's going to unfortunately have his third straight MVP. It It's such a shame for Joel because like, what more can he do for sure? And like leading the NBA in scoring for the second year in a row upping his average by three whole points from what he did last year. It's just nutty stuff. Uh, I hope like there is a change. I do feel like there's a little bit of a resistance movement growing in, in Joel's favor, but I think the damage might be done and the, the carpet might be paved for Jokic. I was going to say, I was going to say over the last couple of days, specifically last, you know, since that Timberwolves game, I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a good push going on right now. Yeah. Obviously Joel's playing out of his mind. Like dude, he goes head toe to toe with anybody on a nightly basis, and he's gotten the best of every big matchup that they've gone into this year against Nikola Jokic. 47. He had a huge game against Giannis. He had a huge game. And when it was time, when it was time for push come to shove for the end of the game, who was on who? Like, that's the shit I'm talking about, man. Like, who was guarding Giannis on an Akumo? in the last four or five, six possessions of the game. Nicole Jokic isn't doing that. And I like, I get it. I do get it. I know we've talked about it and we've had this conversation a million times, so we're not going to do it, but like he's fantastic and he does a lot of things really well, but he's not doing that. He's not doing that. And Joel Embiid does that. And he just scored 31 and he had 10 assists that night. And he goes down on the other end and he forces two turnovers and a bad shot by Giannis. Like that's the difference when you're looking at it as a, you know, an entirety and it's whole, existence Joel Embiid has just been so good this year and I know a lot of people like I don't want to hear I don't want to hear JJ Redick talk about anything I don't want to hear Kendrick Perkins talk about anything I want you to look at at both these guys play basketball and yeah you're right they probably should have just given it to Joel Embiid when he deserved it last year we wouldn't have this problem you could give it to Jokic this year but dude I, I don't know I, I don't see a better player in the world right now I'm not I'm I'm taking Joel over anybody and I'm I truly mean that yeah to anybody anybody I don't there's care. no there's no doubt in my mind Joel Embiid's a better basketball player than Nikola Jokic, but the MVP conversation unfortunately is is not exactly that and, and nobody it feels like the definition changes every single year on what exactly it is or what exactly the qualifications are. Uh shout out to Drew Hanlon by the way for the constant yeah. just anti Nikola <laughs> Jokic uh Twitter bumps uh, posting there's a full like minute and a half clip of Jokic just getting destroyed by the the, the Bulls today or from last night that was 
and he did. They were they were totally attacking him, going at him, and it was working every possession. What probably the worst game of Jokic's season was last night. I, I saw a stat he was averaging. I'm gonna blow it off the top of my head, but it, it, this past week, Jokic has had three games under 20 points. That's what Joel's had this entire season. And and like when you look at, I, I get the advanced numbers, I get the efficiency, I, I get it all, but like it comes down to like. Just watch a game that you can't convince me Joel is not better than this guy. And it is such a bummer. Like, like he just doesn't, he's never going to get the respect. It's never going to happen. And I think I did like his answer after the Timberwolves game saying how like MVP defensive player of the year doesn't matter. Like I'm still going to go out and be the best player on the court every single night. And, but as much nice. as like, I, I love that. Yeah. But it's also like, like that sucks, man. Like you yeah. are, you should be the, that guy. You should be in that conversation. And, uh, I don't know. I, I do agree that there's kind of a growing resistance and a push for Joel, but I do wonder if it's too little too late. Yeah, and it might be. Um, and we're going to we're going to when I'm 35, when we look back on this shit, man, we're going to laugh at the fact that the NBA and its media decided that Nikola Jokic was uh, good enough to be put in the stratosphere of Larry Bird or Bill Russell. He's going to be we're going to look back on this and say, how the hell? Did LeBron James end up with four MVPs in his career and Nikola Jokic had three and all of them were in a row? And how the hell did Kobe Bryant ever end up with one MVP in his career and Nikola Jokic ended up with three? Like we're talking about stuff right here that when you look back on this, it's not going to favor them. Like people, people will take away Steve Nash's MVPs and give them to Kobe Bryant and arguments fair to be had. If you look back at those numbers, it's very clear. Um, you know, they're, like I said, argument there to be had. We're going to look back on this stuff and we're going to say, how the hell did this happen? Um, yep. Last year's seeding didn't matter. This year, it's the biggest thing. Um, we're looking at a guy that like Embiid is like, everyone was talking about the efficiency with Jokic. Oh, he only takes this many shots. Oh, he only does it. Embiid is shooting 57% from the field. Career high. He has the highest highest field goal percentage of his career. And on top of that, as a player, players to score 30 points per game or above in their career, he's only behind... Uh, Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like those are two of the best to ever play the game. People will say those are two of the top three to ever play the game. Two of the top five to ever play the game. And Embiid's doing this for the second year in a row. He's on that list twice. Like I just don't get it. Um, the, but the, the game is still about getting a bucket, and Joel Embiid does <laughs> yeah. that better than anyone. It's about anyone... getting a bucket and stopping a bucket. Yeah, and he does both of those <laughs> things better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, whatever. So, yeah, I, I I have no words of that. I, I I'm almost like saving myself from getting overly fired up about yeah. it because it's like I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle. The the ship's already yeah. sinking around me here, and that it's no <laughs> means to to scratch and claw. But um, uh, it is frustrating. And like even when you like throw these stats at me and and all that, it's like like I know we brought this up after the Nuggets game, but I seriously think if like Embiid and Jokic had a one on one game, like I. It's not even close. Like he might twenty-one zero him, and like I'm completely serious. And uh, as much as like, sure, basketball's more than that, and you got to do the team stuff and all that. It's not like Joel's like a zero in these categories. Like he does the other stuff fine. Jokic is a better rebounder. Jokic is a better passer. But when it comes to defending, and like, I still don't think Jokic is going to be a positive playoff player. Like I think the the one five switch is literally going to sink the Nuggets, as was the case last year. We didn't have the talent anyway, but it was just automatic Steph Curry pick and roll one-on-one with Jokic and it was over and I, I don't think that script's going to change I mean if Nikola Vucevic is can capitalize on you <laughs> and that kind of thing I don't know what's going to happen when come playoff time but 
I don't know. It is what it is. The real ones always know. Yep, absolutely. And um, we'll continue to ride for him. We will absolutely throughout all of this. And and who knows? Maybe uh, maybe there's there's. I feel like there's a good amount of people that don't like uh the Jokic fans. And for sure, for sure. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of people on Twitter and like that discourse is starting to kind of change in the other direction, which is why I could see it happening. But not to worry too much about it. The Sixers have a good stretch here um, of games coming up. It's Friday, Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, Wednesday. Nice. Definitely Wednesday. So after a pretty tough, like, it was like five, uh, three games in five days, back to back there as well. So um, good rest here. Come up, come back home, uh, play the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow evening. I don't know if you have anything else before you wanted to, to hop out. Yeah, no, I'm all good. Uh, vibes are high around the Sixers team. Uh, so, yeah, I feel good. Ready for them to keep plugging away. And, and I, as much as like we complain about this tough stretch, I think this team's going to be ready for postseason. And, and I'm liking the way that they're, they're starting to kind of peak and, and find their stride for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be the best thing for them as you go uh, beyond everything else with a lot of good. There's a lot of good teams in the East and the West. A lot of people competing for for these open spots that are are to be had here. And it's still a dogfight in the Eastern Conference for those playoff standings. So they're going to have to be playing their best, looking their best come April, late April into May. And I think that's the best thing for them. So um, I don't know if you want to close out here. Yeah, appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Make sure to drop a like and subscribe if you haven't already. We hit that thousand subscribers yes, mark sir. this week. So appreciate all you guys for that for sure. And let's keep it rolling. Got plenty more coming. And we will talk with you next time. Yes, sir.